I'm so privileged, excited, so overjoyed to be able to introduce to you the Reverend Jackie Lewis. I'm so glad to be here today. I get teary whenever I come back to Princeton. I think this was a certain kind of womb place for me. A girl who had felt called to ministry since she was 14, a, a woman child, a female child who wasn't sure she could do it, whose daddy said somewhere in the Bible it says women shouldn't talk. And I was like, show me. I don't know where it is, but I know it's in there. <laughs> a divorced person who felt like my brokenness, my failure would not allow God to use me. Um, a girl yelled at and coached by my pastor, Michael Livingston, who said, it's exactly because you're who you are that God is calling you. So to all my classmates and all my buds and all my friends and all my professors and all the administration, to everyone who helped shape me and so many that we could do this thing called ministry, I just give you thanks today. And I'm thrilled you're here on this cold and rainy day. Whatever, May. Um, whatever. Will you say a prayer with me? One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours, it will be ours. Oh, one day. When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, somebody say glory. glory. I want to hear you say glory. glory. Can you say glory? glory. Won't you join me at glory? Hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtapositioned in us. Just is for all, just ain't specific enough. One son died, his spirit is revisiting us. Truant living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it go down, we women and man up. They say, stay down and we stand up. Shots beyond the ground, the camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. God, may the glory be ours. Amen. So I'm going to push your buttons a little bit. Um, I'm pushing my own buttons right in here. I'm asking myself, where is Jesus? 
So I want to talk a little bit about a bold new religion called love. Two years ago, after a seven-year-long battle with lung cancer, stage four, diagnosed, given six months to live, she fought for seven. My mom died. Mommy, no matter how old I got, died. In those last weeks, I had a chance to spend some time with her in her hospital room. And we had those talks that girls and moms have, but amplified. Can you all hear me? OK. I feel like we need a little more volume. I'm just watching some people cut. Can we do that? Sound people? She had lost her voice, but she still tried to sing um, the Lord's Prayer in her reedy soprano with just the right amount of vibrato. She also would sing silly songs. We are fighters, bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> you could attribute it to chemo brain, but mommy was always silly. We are fighters, Jackie. Jack, keep fighting, keep fighting. Keep fighting for justice. We've always fought for justice. Reminding me of my great uncle George and the way he walked around Mississippi um, muddy roads with Fannie Lou Hamer, registering people to vote. My Grandmother, my dear, her mother, fighting for justice as a nurse's aide, candy striper, trying to get a living wage in Mississippi. We are fighters. She began to tell me, I love you in lots of different ways, lots of different cadences, like, girl, you know I love you. That kind of love, love you, or I love you so much. I felt like every time she said I love you, she was telling me something different. She was saying, I'm sorry for anything I've ever done. I love you. She was saying, I'm sorry if I told you not to be too shiny. Please be shiny. She said, don't let any ceiling stop you. And she said, the first sermon she ever preached to me when I took communion for the very first time as a seven-year-old. The cups coming around, little cups of grape juice, little cubes of bread. Reverend Oliver Brown III was my pastor. Whatever he was saying, wah, 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 I didn't hear. But I did hear my mom say, this bread means God will always love you. And this cup means God will never leave you. Even as she was leading me, she was giving me that benediction, the words that would be words for my life, for my living. The dying leave us words for our living. And so also Jesus dying, leaving words to his followers for living. Daddy, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. I am so thirsty. Mom, this is your son. Son, this is your mom. Today, you'll be with me and paradise. Forgiving betrayers, murderers, setting the stage right, grace in a moment, right now, making families where families needed to be made. The women who dared to stay back heard these words in hoarse whispers, words from the dying, words to live by. 
every glance, every last whisper, every utterance, all those last three years, words to live by. Today, the Spirit of God is upon me, and I've been anointed to preach good news to the poor, liberty to the captive, sight to the blind. Today, a mission statement for him and us, all of us who would say we are the body of Christ. The kingdom of God is like a place where a woman loses a coin, a shepherd loses a sheep, a father loses a son, and there's a big old party. No matter how much pig's die he rolled in, that's what the kingdom of God is like. He rebuked even his besties for not getting it. Words from the dying to live by. He told the ones who would test him, quiz him, push him, and the ones who really wanted to know how to get it right. Those 613 Jewish laws, that's kind of cumbersome. So let me break it down and make it two. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything, love your neighbor as yourself. Love period, tweetable, <laughs> quotable, pocket sizable, make a good Instagram story with it. Not confusing. Love God with everything you have, everything. And love your neighbor as yourself. Rabbi Jesus, everything else is commentary. Everything else is midrash. Everything else is rabbis writing about the rabbis and arguing about the meaning, because that's what they do. The Jews love to argue. And let's not forget the Jewishness of Jesus, who, when he said love, your neighbor as yourself, he meant love the stranger because in his text, 26 times you will love the stranger, you will love the stranger because you were once strangers in a strange land. And fast forward to rabbis arguing about Jesus' words, rabbis arguing about Leviticus. What does it mean to love the stranger? Well, when the stranger's cow wanders into your yard, Yes, the cow. You feed the cow. You water the cow. You don't butcher the cow. There will be no steaks and hamburgers for you. You will feed the cow, water the cow, take care of the cow, love the cow like it's your cow. And then when the stranger, the neighbor, comes back, you give the cow back to them. That's what's behind Jesus's love your neighbor as yourself. Love the stranger as yourself. Care for the neighbor's cow. Care for the neighbor's health care. Care for the neighbor's babies, children, old people. Care for the neighbor's children in cages. Care for the neighbor's rights to manage their own bodies. Because remember, the stranger that Jesus made star in his story about neighbor love was a Samaritan. 
a non-Jewish, border-crossed, mixed-up, not-kosher person. Somebody say amen. amen. Who typified and modeled and showed exactly what it meant to be a neighbor. Where is Jesus today? I had a conversation a little while ago with Richard Rohr about where is the crucified body of Christ. We talked about the crucified body of Christ being everywhere suffering is, uh, in the, on the border, in the cages, uh, enslaved people today, sex slaves, children kidnapped, the children that are still in the hands of Boko Haram. There is the crucified body of Christ. Everywhere women are abused, honor killings because the men did something crazy, lie thrown on you because your brother committed adultery. Everywhere there is suffering. Poor people in Appalachia, in Chicago, in barrios all around the globe, there's the crucified body of Christ. Yes, yes, that's right. But where's the living body? Where is Jesus? Where's the living body of Christ? Where is Jesus in a world where so-called Christians, pushing a button now, where is Jesus when Donald Trump as seen as the blessed anointed person of God, called by God to lead America, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus when uncivil dialogue and rancor and vigor and violence and lies masquerade as something Christian. Where's Jesus? Christian friends, I don't care what party you're in. I'm asking you, do you think that Jesus really would bless lying as a national pastime? Somebody push me back. I think that Jesus has been hijacked hijacked by empire. I think Jesus has been co-opted by greed. I say hijacked by empire and co-opted by greed. Jesus has been romanticized in his death either as a nanny-pammy, toothless, non-critical, peaceful blesser of status quo. Blonde curls, this sign right here, soft, not exercising, and having no feelings about badness. Y'all just go ahead and do your capitalist march across the world because you've been chosen by God to manifest your destiny in every corner of the globe where there's no Christians. That Jesus manifesting, blessing that one. Or he's been romanticized as a warrior who will with you, for you, do battle against all your enemies because he's in your pocket. And you've earned the right 
because you paid your tithes and offerings to have him stand with you against anyone who disagrees with you. Who knows what I'm talking about? And it's not the adult Jesus. I'm talking about way back. Funny story in the middle of all this crazy. I have a little nephew named RJ. He's eight now. When he was four, we were at my mom and dad's church in Chicago looking at the stained glass windows. And it's like for the first time he saw these pictures, you know? And he looks up and he goes, wow, if Christmas is baby Jesus' birthday, when is big Jesus' birthday? This story of God coming all the way down to live in the midst of humankind, God coming all the way down to be in the midst of us, to live with us, to love like us, to, to understand our frailty and failings, this is the greatest story ever told. It is the greatest story ever told. And God sends the one into the world, not as a soldier, not as Superman, although I like that story too, but not, <laughs> did not come that way, came as a vulnerable one whose head could be squished by accident, a one who had to be suckled at his mother's breast, a one whose father had to protect him and take care of him. God came all the way down, teeny tiny vulnerable, stinky diapers, born in a manger. I don't know when the manger became like Crate and Barrel, What happened? Shiny flecks of gold, everything matches. There is some like, I don't know, coverling, keeping it all safe. And he was born, we're told, in the place where the cows eat. That, that's where God came. It was neither shiny, nor were there halos matching. He did not have cute little booties from Baby Gap. God came all the way down to the yucky, disgusting, edgy, scandalous place. Mary is pregnant, but God did it. I'm sorry, that's scandal. <laughs> it is. You know, we, we make movies about angels singing and, you know. But Mary was in trouble, people. <laughs> that's why Joseph almost divorced her, right? God enters into human history in a way that teaches us something about God, something about God's preference for the edges, preference for the margins, preference for the poor, preference for the funky, the shepherds. Have you been to a barn? This is not gorgeous. This is not, go this is not like the pastoral scene, you know? This is stank. And God gives them the good news. God shows them the news. God hovers in those places. And we understand, if we really read Matthew's boring, oops, I'm sorry, if we read Matthew's genealogy, I don't love those genealogy, but if we read it, we understand that there is something about this baby that is Semitic, yes, Jewish, yes, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, which is in Galilee, which is in Palestine, people hate when you say that Jesus is Palestinian. But if you read the Bible, Christian people, that's where it is. It's ancient Palestine. It's not 1948 Palestine, for God's sake. It's not post-Holocaust, shame on us, world, 
Palestine, but it's Palestine nonetheless. It's a Palestinian Jewish Afro-Semitic boy. And when you say Afro-Semitic, people go, what do you mean? I go, first of all, all of you in the room are African. Somebody say amen. amen. Every single one of you comes from Eve who comes from Africa. <laughs> Welcome to my tribe, people. Come on, sisters and brothers. Wakanda, <laughs> forever. <laughs> That's an Afro-Semitic baby up in there. A mixed-race baby. A baby that we all can see ourselves in. All the people can find themselves in the identity of this baby. That's how God showed up on the margins in a way that we can all claim. That's right, exactly. <laughs> what I'm talking about. But, and so like this little rebel, rousing, ne'er-do-well bunch of fishermen and tax collectors that become the first disciples, and Mary, who's not a whore. All those people, all those Marys, lots of Marys. They're not chosen because of their pedigree or their education, or their wealth. They're chosen because of their ordinariness. God's intervention is to come ordinary and to call ordinary. You like that Ruth, Gray sent, Ruth Faith Santana Grace? Yes, I do. <laughs> and as soon as Constantine sees the cross in the sky and decides to make Christianity the state religion, it is empired. It's empired. We get those letters written by whoever, Paul and some people called Paul. <laughs> that take the culture and put it in the scripture. Hello. And I'm not, I love the Bible, but where's our hermeneutica suspicion about texts that look like Rome? Where is it? Do we have permission to stand back from the texts that, are, that terrorize God's people because they mirror the empire, because they are the empire? Isn't that part of our job as the body is to interrogate the text through the lens of what Jesus said? Not what Jackie said that day talking. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that the strident text of what it means to be the people of God? Isn't that the hermeneutic through which we must do all of our work of faith and justice? Mustn't we say, if it's not about love, what's it about? Mustn't we ask all the time, what's love got to do with it? And tell ourselves everything, or I might say at home, every damn thing, everything that is about what God is calling us to has to be about what love would say. Would love, would love accidentally preach a sermon that made it seem like God in her infinite wisdom and creativity and fabulousness, she would not have the imagination to make room for Muslims in, the, in, in, in her reign. He would not have enough grace and space to have Jews in his reign since Jesus was a Jew 
any darn way, would it, would it be possible that we could accidentally preach a sermon that makes our people think Jews don't belong to God, Muslims don't belong to God, Sikhs and Buddhists darn well don't belong to God, and we're five minutes away from a shooting in a synagogue? Pause there. We would never tell anybody to shoot Jews in a synagogue. But the warped-minded people who somehow feel inspired by this last shooter, this last shooter said, I was inspired by Jesus and Hitler. I was inspired by Jesus and Hitler. Lord, have mercy on our souls. How you get Jesus and Hitler in the same life, let alone in the same paragraph? Something's gone wrong in the way we've understood what God is about. If we end up creating spaces, places, theologies, worldviews, in which Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. And then Holocaust, because they killed Jesus. Come on, people. Where is Jesus, really? Is Jesus somewhere whispering in our ear, please create? A church in which the only people that are welcome are the people who believe fully all the things you believe. Is Jesus somewhere, not in the tomb, no longer on the cross, but hovering around while in our studies while we write, or in our offices when we're picking hymns? <laughs> standing around with us while we're watching TV and our children and grandchildren overhear us. Is Jesus somewhere saying, those are not my people? Or did God so love the whole world that God came all the way down, all the way down, to show us what love looks like and in our vocabulary, that baby, that baby in the cow trough. But maybe in some other kind of vocabulary, God came all the way down too to show what love looks like. Because God wants all the people, all the people, all the people redeemed, not killed where they worship. Somebody, help me, help me. If we're really going to follow a baby born in a cow trough, a multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi African-Semitic poor baby who grew up loving the edgy people. Tax collectors, come on. Lame, blind, come to the party, it's for you. Tony Campolo makes me laugh like the birthday party for the whores, you know, like come on, let's go. All of y'all are welcome, just exactly as you are, to this party. The, the one time that scripture records Jesus having an ethnocentric problem 
And don't let the exegetes try to act like that's not what time it was. <laughs> Hello, I'm a Syrophoenician woman. Could you hold my child? No, girl, this is not for you. No, no, nope. This is for my people. It's not for you. It's not for the dogs. What? That is not good television. The only reason the gospel writers left that in the Bible, I think, is to let us know something about Jesus. That is something about us which is we're going to get it wrong, and we can get it right. So Jesus, Afro-Semitic baby, grown man, doesn't get it right in that moment, and the woman keeps engaging him in conversation. Please don't be offended. He did not get it right. I just want you to nod a little bit like, no. no. Um, called her a dog. That's not pretty. Um, she stays in conversation with him. She keeps engaging him, and he changes his mind. It is an example of the gospel changing directions from not just for the chosen ones, the Abrahamic ones, but for everyone, all the people, all of the people. And the little girl in an orphanage in China is never going to hear me preach, ever. Is she going to hell? The hijabi teenager in a mosque in Manhattan is never going to hear me preach. What about her? Where is Jesus? Where is not the crucified body of the Christ, but where is the living, breathing, pulsing, activated body of Christ? Where is Jesus? In you and me. Hello, my sister. Right here. You are the only hands, feet, and heartbeat of the living God. You, your personality, me, mine, my dreadlocks, your curls, my narrative, your story, your experience, your failures, your successes, every experience you've had that makes you you, makes you a text, a living text, a living, breathing gospel text of God at work in the world. Our job is to stridently engage our stuff in such a way that anything that isn't about love gets out the way. Anything that isn't about creating not a particular church, mine on 7th and 2nd, thank you, in Manhattan, but the church triumphant and universal, as Howard Thurman would say, the church that is everywhere love is, everywhere love is church, that church, our job everywhere, in the Sunday school classroom, in the pulpit, when we write, when we tweet, when we blog, when we're out to dinner with our family, when we're having drinks with our girlfriends, those of us who do. Yoga mat, coffee, everywhere, it's not about love. I believe it is our emergent job to disrupt everything, every theology, every text, every hermeneutic, Every interpretation that doesn't put love in the center of it has to go. Has to go. If we're going to really build God's kingdom now, we don't have time to parse about the stuff Jesus himself said is not relevant to our walk.
did you speak about the spirit coming from God and the son? Who cares? <laughs> Descend into hell? What does that mean? Virgin birth. God can do anything. But are we really not going to have a faith if somebody doesn't believe that? Are we really going to be stuck about Moses in the basket? And was the sea red or reed? Come on. Are we really going to fight those fights? Are we really going to break up our churches because of gay people? Really? Really? Do we really not imagine that the God who made me with my crazy self, fearfully and wonderfully in his image, it can't make somebody else that way too? Do we really believe we know all the answers to these questions? And are we going to lay our lives down for it? Or are we going to lay our lives down for love? Where's Jesus? Didn't say squat about trans people. I keep looking for it. <laughs> Can't find it. That don't see it. Didn't say anything about gay. Said something about divorced, and I'm divorced. Confessing, honey, I am not perfect. But I'm Jesus' body. It's all he's got. It's you and me doing love, making love everywhere, making love everywhere. Now, I serve a crazy church in Manhattan. We are everything. We are black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Native American. I never imagined, because I didn't talk about gay until I got to Princeton Seminary when I was 30. Who knew? What, what? We're talking about this? I never imagined I would serve a community of straight, gay, bi, trans people. We are multi-everything. I never imagined that the people would come to my church and bring their house in a bag, people who live in shelters and bring their belongings so they don't get stolen, and that some people would have three houses. I never imagined the panoply of humankind that God would put before me. But when I look out in the congregation and see the doubters and the believers and the evangelicals and the Jews, yeah, the Jews, who get baptized not to convert because they just want to be a part of the community, when I look out there and see those crazy people, I see love. I see love in the streets. I see the body of Christ. I'm going to show it to you because a picture paints a thousand words. Love is an action, it's a verb, not a word, to abuse and take lightly, sort of said to be hurt. Our chances to make love active and not just a word. Oh, love does not envy. 
What if God sent Jesus into the world to just simply start a bold new religion? Thanks, a bold new religion called love. Love, period. I think we're called to a love revolution, people of God. And I'm recruiting you, okay? I'm recruiting you into the love army. Bless you. <laughs>